Uh, hey. Hey. It's easy pills to swallow. Lexi and Peyton here. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that one was really like delayed. <laughs> I thought that was the point. No, that it, it was. Okay, good. Thank you for playing along. Um, anytime, anytime. We just have that. Even though we're hundreds of miles away from each other, we still have it. We still got it. Oh, no, we still got it. There's there's no disconnect here. It's all coordinated. Did you know <laughs> the author, famed author Agatha Christie, though she was not formally trained as a pharmacist, she came to the world of pharmaceuticals as a volunteer nurse during World War One. While serving in the Torque Red Cross Hospital, she trained on the job and completed an exam that made her the equivalent of an assistant pharmacist. Agatha Christie's knowledge of poisons, often used as a murder weapon in her novels, came from her wartime work in a hospital dispensary. That was a pretty detailed fun fact right there. I actually really Can you tell that, that Lexi one. came up with it this time? Because <laughs> it was good. <laughs> oh, stop. Yours have all been good. I know, but they've been, they've been simple. Other than maybe the Benjamin Franklin one, which that one is a bit more detailed. Welcome to our Rotation Reflection Part 2. You may notice there is no guest today. That's that's intentional. We we believe that we should be we should have like a, a little a little episode just together after after so much time with with guests because it's been a while since I think Lexi and I have really caught up. And so we we believe arguably, this is a good opportunity to do that. Arguably since the first episode. I wouldn't even say arguably. <laughs> I would say this is the first time we <laughs> this is the first time we have talked together for a long period of time since may 15th around that time yeah yeah that's crazy two months and we're anyway we're two rotations well i guess i'm two rotations in. you're one rotation in but two out of our nine blocks are done they are done yeah and we're basically halfway done with block three already which is crazy it which We'll talk about that later in the in the third block reflection episode. True, but like each in my in my humble opinion, each block I've only done three of them. Each block is getting a lot faster, and that is kind of scary because it's like it's going this fast already. Like summer's almost over. Yeah, it's and already today's August third when we're recording. So, and when this gets posted, it'll be August. Seventh. I actually found. I I remember when I found out that during our our final year rotation started right away, like during the summer, and they continued for a full year. I thought to myself, "That's a lot. That is a lot of time, and it's gonna take a while to get through." But now, like we're almost done with the summer, we're just like normal students almost again, timing wise. Yeah. And so it's just weird. It's weird to think that it's. Like, why is this going by so fast? Days sometimes are really slow. Yeah. But weeks, weeks on the other hand, they're cruising by. No, it really is so, weird. So this is how I'm doing, if you don't mind that we jump into how oh, I'm doing. Yeah, no. Yeah, let's see how Lexi's <laughs> doing. I love this little moment. We just moved. So I helped Connor's sister move into her new apartment as she's getting ready for her semester at Iowa State. And then Kenzie just moved into her apartment also yesterday as she's getting ready for her semester at North Dakota State. 
And so I just went to Kenzie's apartment today, got to see it for the first time. And it's so cute. And it's so weird to think that that's not us now. And Mm -hmm. I also got together with Tyler this past week before I came back home to Minnesota. I'm now in Minnesota and it's been very lovely. And it was just crazy to see him like gearing up for the semester and the school year and the residence halls and me not being there it felt a little mm-hmm. little weird since I was in residence life for three years but it's nice to be home it's so nice to be home we dropped Kenzie off at we fest today oh we fest yeah I haven't been in so long it literally took us a whole hour to get even just like we got into Detroit Lakes and it took an hour to just get to um, the Sioux Pass Ranch or wherever it's, I don't, I don't know where it's located, but from Detroit Lakes to the venue, it took us an hour. That's, that's a long time. The venue's like in Detroit Lakes. Correct. Okay. That's, that's weird. I hope Kenzie's having a blast. Yeah. It's Morgan Wallen tonight. So it's a big deal, but oh, that is I'm deal. at my grandparents because they also need a ride home at probably one o'clock in the morning by the time we get out of there. So my mom and I are going to be their Uber back home. So we're hanging out with grandma and grandpa and that's been really nice. And yeah, I've, I'm just happy to be home. Yeah. I'm glad you're home too, Lexi. I think it's nice that you get a break and get to go back to Minnesota before what I would call a very crazy next couple of months mm-hmm. with with traveling all over the place yeah um, but how are you Peyton you know I'm actually I'm doing pretty good it's my second week in Alaska I am really enjoying it if you can if you can't tell Lexi and I are trying to improve ourselves by not stuttering as much as we're talking and so you'll hear me pause a lot and that's because I'm thinking but not saying anything to fill the silence <laughs> we'll keep that one in so i think at this point the all the new of alaska has kind of worn off for me like it's when i first got here i was i was super excited and everything was was like crazy and there's so much to do and so much to see and now that i'm kind of settled like that sense of like discovery i'll call it i don't know or or just like a, a sense of like i need to explore is like kind of wearing off and i think that's actually a good thing for me because now i'm really focusing on learning a lot more than just like focusing on getting outside all the time which i'm still doing but it's less of like a, 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 a i would not really an issue but just a distractor for me um regardless it's it's so great up here i know lexi you're really going to enjoy it when you're up here for your Alaska block in block eight. It's like the airs. I know like we've had like trouble with air quality in Minnesota and Iowa because of the Canadian wildfires recently. That is not blowing over here. The air is so clear. I love it so much. There's so much to hike, so much to do. Um, I also got lucky where there's another Drake student up here right now. I think I mentioned before and, and, and a couple students from Michigan and also a Drake student who was in Kapisai with us, who's now a resident up here. And so despite coming up here with me thinking I'd kind of be by, on my own, there's a lot of people up here who I can who I can talk to and 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 reconnect with. And so that's been really nice. Um, so I feel, I don't know, I feel supported up here, uh, which is great. 
but so so long story short i'm I'm doing great right now good um we'll talk more about our block three experience uh lexi at home me in alaska at a, at a later date because we have we have a, more important things to talk about right now but i'm doing great right now good so how do we want to start this out well, I think I'd say exactly well, here's what we'll, we will say. I, just the general phrase. This episode will serve as one of many to provide us with a platform to reflect upon our rotations. Sometimes it'll just be Lexi and I, while other times we will feature a guest. This time, clearly, it's just Lexi and I, as I just stated. But I and we understand that, like each episode, we have an opportunity to reflect on our rotation experience. But, but when we feature a guest, I think we're trying our best to include their perspective as much as possible and limit ours as much as possible because we'll have moments like this where we can we can fully unpack what we're doing just by ourselves. And so this will be much more of a deeper dive into what we just experienced in the previous block. With that being said, Lexi, just as a reminder for the audience, where were you during your previous block? Yeah, so I was just at Iowa Lutheran Hospital Pharmacy and I was in a transitional care type rotation. So what that kind of looked like was anytime someone was moving places and that affected their health. So whether that be from the emergency room to inpatient, from inpatient to rehab, from rehab to home, from inpatient to home, kind of all of those middle ground places in which there's a transition happening. I was there looking at people's meds, giving them phone calls. Oh, I did a lot of um, pre-op calls as well. So people who were having surgery that week, I would call them and get an updated list of their meds because they would be staying in the hospital a couple of days after their surgery just to make sure that nothing was being missed and things like that. So that is where I was at in Peyton. Just so everyone remembers, it was feels like it's been a long time. Where were you at? I, it feels like a year ago. So I had the opportunity to be at Broadlands Hospital in Des Moines, which is a, a county hospital um, in the Des Moines metro, obviously, that um, I served in the central pharmacy. It was my hospital core rotation. So the whole purpose there was to learn, what, learn basically what it's like to be a central pharmacist at a hospital setting. So my daily responsibilities uh, mainly surrounded, well, my daily learning, I should say, uh, surrounded checking renal dosing of commonly renally dosed medications and monitoring renal function in certain patients that I had. Um, I also focused on inventory and helping to helping the technicians basically uh, run the pharmacy down there because it's it was a bit understaffed in my time because they were getting new new Pixis machines throughout the hospital and so I would help uh, pick meds to be sent to the floors and I would help uh, occasionally compound sterile products and um, on top of that as well I got to sit in on the process of verification of medications both medications that we pick and also individual orders that are coming down uh, from the floors above us. And then I would say two other things that I did. I basically ran the meds to beds program at the hospital where uh, when someone was being discharged, I would uh, receive a list of, of medications that were they were going to be discharged with. And um, if they consented to the program, they'd be sent to the outpatient pharmacy where Lexi works, mm-hmm. um, at least when she is not on rotations. And they would fill those meds there. And then I would go pick them up 
and bring them upstairs to people before they were discharged. So they didn't have to go to a separate pharmacy after they left the hospital to pick up their medications. And then my final thing that I did near in my last week was I got to start working on more clinical stuff where I got to analyze, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, vanco dosing, warfarin dosing, um, antibiotic timeouts, which is where we analyze antibiotic dosing um, on days three and seven of therapy to first understand, can we deescalate? And then second, can we, and can basically second, can we decide, can we take them off their antibiotics um, at the seven day mark? And so that was basically a, an all around uh, summary of my responsibilities and, uh, and, and roles at that hospital. So I think I do want to start with just like some of, some of the, 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 the good from these sites, especially some of the learning um, Lexi, especially in, in a setting of transitional care, what do you think was the most important thing you learned at your site? The most important thing that I learned at my site was that the charts are full of false information. Like they, <laughs> people just copy and paste from previous notes in the chart and I'm reading through and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Or did this actually happen? Or did someone just copy and paste it? Was it ever followed up on? Things like that. Or one of, I had something where they were, they said, they said in the chart that they were using clopidogrel for AFib. Tell me what's wrong with that statement, Peyton. Clopidogrel for AFib? Correct. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's in the guidelines. No, it's not. They were using clopidogrel because they've had a cabbage and clots, but not for AFib. Nope. Yeah, you don't you don't use that. You don't use that for AFib. <laughs> Even I haven't researched or learned about cardiology in two years. And that didn't sound right to me. So. Right. So that Yikes. that was just an example that someone someone had put that in the note once upon a time that they had thought clopidogrel was used for AFib and then providers just kept copy and paste, copy and paste and not really looking at it. And then I'm going through doing their drug regimen review and seeing, well, why the why are they actually on clopidogrel? Because it's not for AFib. Do they need to be on it? And it turns out this particular patient did. But yeah, so that that was the most important thing that I learned at my site is that the chart is full of false information. Is that a dog? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a cutie pie. My name's Bailey. <laughs> no, you're okay. <laughs> what a cutie. <laughs> I know, isn't Daily so cute? My I serotonin just went through the roof. For our loyal listeners, if this gets kept in the episode, um I <laughs> my uh the, the person who is who has graciously allowed me to stay with them for the next five weeks um they have a dog named daily and i love daily and daily just gave us a little visit <laughs> oh they were so precious yeah oh love them anyway that's that's crazy but that's also something that i learned not necessarily i don't know why at broadlands i didn't really catch that as much but at my current site I noticed that problem of just copy and pasting stuff from notes. And then it's like, some of these issues are issues that need to be addressed. For example, putting in the initial note, probable hospital acquired pneumonia, let's treat for five days. And then realizing HAP is usually treated for seven days minimum. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing well. I don't know. But then everyone just keeps copying and pasting it into the future until you hit day five and you're like, okay, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we going to stop that? And then it doesn't stop. And you're like, okay, so someone just put that in there and no one's reviewing it. Correct. And we're actually treating this correctly. But regardless, that's very important for transitional care because that's your that's your role to clarify this kind of stuff. So I think that's that's kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what I would consider the most important thing I learned at my site. Um, and it's it's kind of tricky because hospital central hospital practice is a bit of an interesting one for me. I don't know if in the end it's where I want to end up. I certainly I think would be willing to work in that setting but i'm i'm just so in love with with really like that like floor pharmacy and clinical pharmacy that the the setting itself was it felt almost like a community pharmacy to me just verification and and there is some more in-depth stuff that i learned about for example cancer chemotherapy i you you know you learn about cancer chemo in pharmacy school and you kind of just are told like follow the guidelines providers usually know a lot about the cancer they are treating and so usually they are correct about what they are sending you just make sure the dosing is correct but i i got a lot more familiar i think with common regimens for cancer treatment another thing actually i think i really improved on was documentation i'm not a very good note writer I think I want everything to be perfect. And so I tend to over-document whenever I write anything. And that's, I mean, I personally think it's better to over-document rather than under-document. But I will be honest and say that I do tend to include too much information in my notes. It's stuff that isn't necessary. And so the one of the clinical pharmacists at Broadlands, uh, she especially helped me kind of determine what's necessary for a note on adjusting someone's Vanco dose versus what what's not necessary in my justification. Um, so that's actually something I think that was really important for me was learning what is clinically relevant uh, when when documenting a note, because that's a skill that sounds like it would be easy, but in reality, I think is a lot more difficult uh, than most people would believe. Um, I also got practice, as I said before, with sterile compounding, which is something we never really had the chance to do in school. We had like one day in lab where we got to practice, you know, injecting saline into an IV bag of saline, which was pretty good. Like, you know, you get, that's good practice. That's good to know how to do that, especially because pharmacists don't typically do that compounding, but it's nice. It's a nice skill to have. And so I felt, I felt good that like I got some practice in that while I was at my site too. Also calling, sorry, one more calling providers and nurses is really intimidating for a student because you're scared that like they're not going to take you seriously or they're going to somehow know that you're a student and not just someone calling from pharmacy. And so I have a big issue with calling confidence because I'm wondering if they're even going to accept my recommendation, but through just repeated calling to floors, just about, is this patient ready for discharge? Can I bring up their meds? Do they have a credit card if they need to pay for stuff? That actually helped my confidence with calling providers and nurses a lot. So there, there's some really important stuff that I got to practice while I was there. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm glad to hear that we both got something from this rotation experience. Um, Lexi, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that while transitional care, in your opinion, is important. Do you plan on working in a setting like that in the future? I think, I definitely think I could. 
it was hard with this particular rotation because as a, as the student, I just kind of sat in the education room and did things behind the scenes. And so that was hard because I was by myself for a lot of the time. And I don't really like that a whole lot. I don't like to be by myself because I am just a person that works best with others and other people hold me accountable. Not that I didn't get a lot done and wasn't very productive, but it just, I just work better with people. And so I think I could because the pharmacist aren't sitting by themselves alone in a room for the most part. Like they're in the ER, they're in the pharmacy, things like that. So I think I could. I think mm-hmm. I want a little bit more hands-on though. Sure. That makes sense. Would Would you say like being by yourself was the biggest challenge of your rotation? Yes. I think that that was probably my biggest challenge. That and calling people. You kind of mentioned it with providers and nurses. I had to call patients for pre-op calls and Mm. I just, I've had very bad phone anxiety in the past and I've gotten so much better at it through working at various pharmacies and just practicing. And right away that challenged me a lot because I, you have to know the right questions to ask and People, at least they like knew they were coming in for a surgery and it wasn't an MTM call where they're like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I'm fine. So I, at least they were expecting this phone call and they were more willing to talk to me than some other phone calls that I've made in the past. But that was really hard to just figure out the flow of the conversation that I wanted to do and to ask the right questions at the right time and make sure that you get all the right information because it's over the phone. So sometimes you might miss something because you don't, you aren't seeing the patient. You you aren't reading their body language. You can't see their facial expressions. You don't know if, because sometimes when you're in person, you can tell if they're kind of confused or don't really know what they're talking about over the phone's a little bit harder. So that was also very challenging, but I got a lot better at it as I went on. Yeah. I would argue that that is the most difficult thing with having done a couple like med rec type things in the past calling is so much harder than just talking to someone in person because you're right you lose you lose the facial cues that inform you whether the person you're talking to is actually informed about their meds or they're confused about their meds and that makes your job a lot harder (laughs) yeah so oh yeah and nothing like working in a in a community pharmacy like that that helps with phone anxiety so much because at some point you just have to pick up the phone you do everything's taken and then you learn that like oh never mind i can do this what's what what's the worst that could happen <laughs> if yeah i pick no. up the phone right now no definitely i used to when i worked at medicap back in p1 year which feels like feels like a different person way back when but i would wait three rings for the phone just praying someone else would pick it up <laughs> that's so real i used to do that too where i would just i would just wait and then begrudgingly be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and now and- now I'm at Broadlands and it's literally half a rain. And I'm like, Broadlands Pharmacy, this is Lexi. How can I help exactly. you? That's so- the thing. Like, yeah. it's like a reflex at this point. You just yeah. hear and you pick it up. Yep. And that's, that's a, I think that that's the sign of growth. And yes, us. I love definitely. That. Um, what was, what challenged you most at your site? We're flipping the question. I see. <laughs> I, this is a tricky one. I really should have thought about this <laughs> before <laughs> before reflecting, but like 
I think there are two things that I want to mention. The first one that was uh, one of the biggest challenges for me was advocating for myself. And this isn't me as like a, a pharmacist, but this is, is this is me as a student where when I got to my site, I will admit it was a bit stressful. The board of pharmacy was coming in the next week for their routine inspection and we just hired on a new pharmacist who was also training and their first day was the same day as my first day. And there were people off on vacation. People were having kids yep. and it was just a lot of stuff happening at once. And so admittedly, there were some days where the pharmacy staff was pretty stressed because they have to do the work of a lot of people who could not be there for various reasons. And, you know, I'm not I'm not the greatest at getting in the way in for for my own benefit like i i think i intentionally will try and minimize my impact on the group dynamic as much as possible because i'm afraid of messing something up especially as a student where i don't know the group dynamics and i don't know what my roles and responsibilities necessarily are especially near the beginning of my experience and i intensely struggled near the beginning to allow myself to ask questions uh, for clarification of my roles or even just ask questions about stuff I wasn't sure about regarding pharmacy and medications at my site. And I will say, I think I got better. Another struggle of mine is that I, I often struggle to think of questions before it's too late. Like I'll sit there and I'll think everything makes sense. And as soon as I'm on my own, I have to do something. Then I'll think of the questions that I needed to ask yeah. in, in the first place. But Personal um, advocation, making sure that my needs as a student are met, because when you are a rotation student, your preceptor technically makes a deal with you saying that they're going to teach you what they know in the next five weeks. And so it's okay. I've learned to maybe jump into a conversation at an inopportune time for the pharmacist to ask a question or ask for clarification or maybe jump in and say, where can I help around more in the pharmacy? Because I learned that when I started asking those questions near the end of my experience, I had a lot of a, a, a better time because I was actually learning stuff and getting myself involved in the pharmacy and also getting to know the staff a little more. Um, unlike Lexi, I'm a bit shyer and I could probably work on my own for my entire life and be fine. <laughs> but I do really like to get to know my staff. It's just I often struggle to get myself out there because once again, we're only there for five weeks and I don't want to disrupt something that's already formed because I'm only there for a limited amount of time. So that was a uh, struggle thing. Number one, clinically, something I struggled with the, probably the most at Broadlands, especially since I've never worked in a hospital, was also like Lexi, interacting with patients. But for me, it was going up onto the floors for my meds to beds deliveries. I have this weird problem once again, where I think I'm barging in. I, in a hospital, your patients are a captive audience. If that makes any sense, they, yeah. they cannot go anywhere. <laughs> Maybe they will be asleep. And like, I'll knock, uh, like, for example, I'll knock on the door to ask some questions and then I'll open the door and the lights are off and the person's clearly asleep. And I'm like, okay, I'll come back later. Like, that's fine. But I'd always have this anxiety. Every time I walk up to a door thinking, Am I going to disturb them when in reality, I just have a couple of quick questions that they can easily answer yes or no to, and then I'll come back with their medications if they consent to our program later. And so one of the biggest challenges is just me getting out of the pharmacy, 
walking to the floors and willing myself to ask questions to the patients. You know, going upstairs, talking to patients, it's tough because I don't know. I I don't know what their their stories are. I could do some, maybe a little bit of digging in their their profiles to make sure that like I'm going up to a situation that I'm informed about. But I have a couple of questions for people, and usually I just run upstairs just to check in and see if they want their meds delivered. And you know, there's anxiety interrupting someone's experience in the hospital because when you're in the hospital, you don't feel that good typically. Right. And so I want people to be as comfortable as possible and. And I was worried that if I would barge into their room while they're sleeping or trying to get rest, that they, they, they'd be like disappointed in the pharmacy department. But obviously that isn't true. And I've learned that going throughout it. But it was just a big challenge at the beginning, getting myself to, to be able to do that. And so I think that's, that's mostly what I was, I was challenged with. It was more internal struggles rather than like completing my tasks. Yeah. It was just gaining that confidence in a setting that I've never worked in before, uh, to trust myself and and to actually get stuff done. And you were there at a really hard time. Broadbonds was a very stressful time when you were there. So kudos to you for making it through. And it also was your first one. And so I think we always have to give ourselves some grace and you seem to already be doing so much better in Alaska, which is so exciting. Oh, absolutely. And it's not like I didn't enjoy my time at Broadbonds yeah. because in the end, upon reflecting on it, I really did enjoy the staff I got to work with and and the skills that I learned. Um, it's just, it, it was tough being in an environment where people were stressed and things were changing and people weren't supported enough. And so good experience still too, to see that that's for sure, but a difficult one for learning. So while I, so through, through that challenge, Lexi, how do you think you grew the most in, in, in your experience at Lutheran? Yeah. There were a lot of places that I think I grew. I think I grew overall. Like, I think I grew as a healthcare provider in general, which is great. <laughs> I think my biggest growth probably comes in the confidence. I think that's probably going to be a common theme throughout rotations. And I hope it's a common theme throughout rotations is that we are continually gaining confidence and continually learning and being better each and every day, each and every rotation until we graduate and can go out there on our own, which is really intimidating to think about, but we'll get there. And so I think just the confidence in being able to talk to patients and do those educations, like you were talking about calling people. I, as, as I got through, I had to take less deep breaths before I hit the actual call button. So <laughs> that was good. And yeah, I just felt more secure in my knowledge and felt better about myself and was able to give presentations better by the end of it, was able to ask questions to my preceptor better by the end of it. And yes, so I would say probably confidence. And I hope that continues to grow and grow and grow it's just hard when you're only there five weeks because you're the new guy so often that it's, you kind of lose that confidence when you're the new guy. Yeah. That's, that's just me. I, I feel like I also agree with just like when you get to a new job, it usually takes me a couple months before I start feeling really comfortable with the staff and the environment that I'm in. And rotations are just so like their length does not work with how I normally work. No. And so we got to learn that we got to learn to get, 
confident a little quicker and get comfortable a little quicker. And I'm glad that that's an area that you you definitely grew in. Um, I would have to echo what you said, just in general confidence in myself, I think got a lot better. Um, I will also say that I thought my my journal club skills got a little better. Good. Um, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of reading scientific literature just because it's kind of dry when you read it. Like it's not it's not like usually the most interesting thing in the world. But I got to sit through four of our other P4 students journal club pre- presentations who were also at Broadlands in different parts of the hospital, and each of them did a fantastic job. And I feel like I took away from each of their presentations something different about how I should be structuring my own journal club presentations. It just, it's, it's an important skill that I think a lot of us tend to not like to develop, which is being able to read through primary literature and make that inform our choices as practitioners. Definitely. But I feel a little more confident in my ability to successfully complete a journal club presentation now that I've seen so many by, by students who I look up to in our own class. So that's that's another little area that I that I felt like I grew in. Um, also, just I know I, we talked about confidence, but I advocated for myself near the end of it, of my experience and got the chance to attend events with other students who were there. I got to go and work in the, the, the psych floors a little bit. And so I got some good experiences there working with a different patient population that I've mainly been focusing on in the main pharmacy, um, just getting to know how um, that patient population runs and how a, a psych floor on a in a hospital actually functions as well that was that was really cool too so getting myself out there a little bit i think that that was also pretty great um <laughs> i'm looking through lexi and i as always we're pharmacists and so we have like a flow chart of questions that we we plan to ask ourselves um this is an interesting one <laughs> in my opinion which is what's the coolest thing you did at your site and actually you i feel like you have a pretty good story or two maybe one or two i don't know well you're giving me a look. For our loyal well, listeners, Lexi's giving me the look. Well, <laughs> okay. I got to do a lot of really, really cool things. I would say probably the coolest thing I got to do was I got to shadow a couple pharmacy programs at Methodist because Iowa Lutheran and Iowa Methodist are both under Unity Point. So they use similar systems and kind of share resources. And so I got to shadow their meds to beds program and that was really cool. And I actually got to utilize my Spanish a little bit. We had a patient come into the outpatient pharmacy. It wasn't even a meds to beds thing, but I, we were down there getting our meds to beds prescriptions and we're about to walk up. And one of the texts was just literally using Google translate to try and talk to this patient. And it was pretty simple. What we were, we were just trying to ask them if they had insurance, tell them what the cost was if they did not and if they were willing to pay that and then telling them that we needed 30 minutes to fill it. And so I got to, I spoke in Spanish to them and it actually went pretty well. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. anything more complex than that, I would, my anxiety would be through the roof, but we made it through it together and the pharmacy was really grateful that I was there to kind of be a part of that and facilitate that and so that was cool and then the other cool thing I got to do was I got to shadow the diabetes educators over at Methodist and those are nurses actually they're not pharmacy people but they were just so wonderful and actually the person that I was mainly shadowing looked just like my grandma like the grandma that I'm her the house I'm at right now (laughs) and so it just was like 
was it was my grandma <laughs> but it was just they were so knowledgeable and they took me in and it was actually kind of cool too because we like went in to talk to some of the patients and they were asking certain medication questions about like Ozempic and Munjaro and then I got to use my outpatient pharmacy knowledge that the nurses may not have had that I was like well if you are wanting Munjaro you're not gonna get it like that's just the facts of it I would probably recommend Ozempic even and even that is kind of hard to get right now too so I would probably go with Trulicity in my personal like if you're really wanting to get something today and make sure it's going to continue to be available to get Trulicity is going to be your go-to for that reason so like it was nice because the nurses have no idea that Munjaro is on back order or they might have some idea but not to the extent of that that it actually is and so that was kind of cool that is cool and also getting Munjaro covered difficult very yeah. difficult but regardless those are that is pretty cool actually especially the Spanish thing yeah I don't know language skills an important skill to have I love that I wish I continued doing Spanish from high school but I've not spoken Spanish since I was a sophomore when I was 15. <laughs> so let's just but, switch to Spanish. Let's just do this entire podcast in Spanish. Okay, you go first. <laughs> bueno. Puedes decirme sobre tu experiencia. Can you talk to me about my about my experience? Yeah. Or can I talk to you about my experience? I knew it. See, I can listen to Spanish. Well, yeah. I'm trying to rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> um so I okay a couple cool things that I got to do at least things that I thought were cool one of I think the coolest things that I got to do and this may sound really dull like honestly but for me I thought it was super interesting was being able to go to the pharmacy and therapeutics the PNT meeting that happens every month and it's it's super bureaucratic you sit down and it's led by physicians and a pharmacist and there's nurses and our like um, our IT team is there too. And we had a PA and everyone's sitting in there and we're just talking about medication, basically running the formulary of the hospital. And I've never got to sit in one of those conversations before, but I found it so interesting to hear how these different professions talk about medication because pharmacists talk about meds in a very different way than physicians the whole like the 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 topic of diagnosis sometimes comes up and that's something that we do not focus on that much in the world of pharmacy we, we're good at understanding diagnostic indicators like if someone has an infection looking at white blood cells and fever and 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 uh, procalcitonin and you know little things that can indicate whether someone has an infection or not but we're really not trained in making the decision to prescribe anything and so hearing physicians talk the way they did it was just super interesting for me to sit i felt like a little like, like it was kind of nerdy but it was it was really cool in my opinion um i would say the other cool thing that i got to do while i was there was uh complete a project i was given one project during my time there that required basically me to do outside effort um outside of the pharmacy to to get something done and it was a project of my choice. I got to do it, on, do it on whatever I wanted to. And so I decided to do a presentation, about a 30-minute presentation on Spravato, which is a, a brand name uh, nasal spray of esketamine, which can be used for depression. And Lexi and I got the chance to learn about uh, ketamine in PDA3 with one of our faculty, Dr. Ren. And then I got some additional 
insight into into ketamine in his uh, neuropharmacology elective in P3 fall. And I found the drug super interesting because of its mechanism of action. It's it's one of the only fast acting antidepressants out there. And it's it's by far currently the most effective fast acting antidepressant with especially really good effects on reducing suicidality, which is one of our biggest concerns with patients with patients with depression, obviously, which is that therapy, traditional therapy usually takes four to eight weeks to start working appropriately. And in the meantime, someone is not being treated effectively for the depression and who knows what could happen in those four to eight weeks. And so the the cool thing about ketamine is that it acts really quickly and its effects last pretty long. And so you can give it on a week-to-week basis for treatment-resistant depression. And then on top of that, maybe have them on traditional therapy and then wait for that to kick in. And hopefully they're all good after your 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 round of esketamine treatments. Um, but I've never learned about the therapeutics of it, like when we use it and how it's dosed. And so I got to do a ton of research on my own about how it, it comes in like these little like nasal sprays, but each one only has 20 28 milligrams in it. And so you have to give either a 56 milligram or an 84 milligram dose. And so you have to sit there and do like one, two, three, four, five, six oh. <laughs> nasal sprays to get up to a full dose of esketamine. And in between those tra- sprays, you have to wait five minutes between each not uh each same nostril. And so if you're getting an 84 milligram dose, it's going to take 10 minutes to fully deliver everything. And then on top of that, Lexi, I think you might remember this. You have to sit for a couple hours in a physician's office because as ketamine is more well known for its psychoactive effects rather than its antidepressive effects. And so around the 45 minute mark, uh, feelings of well, hallucinations and dissociation will peak as well as a, a pretty significant increase in blood pressure. And so you really need to monitor these patients pretty well uh, during this, this, this treatment. And so I just found that super interesting. And the pharmacists at the site hadn't really learned about it too much. And so I got a chance to educate some pharmacists about how Spravato works. And so I thought that was super cool too. I, I was glad I got to do that project. No, I was also that glad is... that I, I'm just glad that Dr. Ren implanted that seed in my mind, which was as ketamine and its quick mechanism where I could then expand on the knowledge that he gave us and provide it to some pharmacists to allow them to apply that clinically to their, to their practice. So that, I think that was, that was really cool to me. And Dr. Um, Ren's so cool. Oh, absolutely. I love Dr. Ren. He's my advisor, obviously, very famously. I love him so much. Um, With all that being said, we've kind of had a good chance here to reflect on our experience and what challenged us and what we grew in and and some cool things we got to do. And so Lexi, at, at the end of it all, do you feel more prepared to be a pharmacist now as opposed to when you started this rotation? I actually do, which... This was one of my fears going into rotations is that I would, I feel like I will forever have kind of that imposter syndrome and not feel like I'm good enough to kind of be out on my own. I actually just saw a meme on Instagram where it was like students in a hospital without their preceptor. And then it's that audio where it's like, where's my dad? (laughs) I'm all alone. You know what I'm talking about? I, yeah, I'm too small to be here on my own. You're on my own. This is and it's true. From, it's from um, Finding Nemo Jr. <laughs> A musical that I've not been in, but I will one day. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
I I thought that, well, it was my fear that I would go through rotations and really truly not feel like I would be ready to be out on my own. And I still don't like a hundred percent, but I didn't expect myself to after the second rotation. And I think that each one's going to get better and better. And that by the end of it, I don't think we'll feel I don't think we'll fully feel ready, but I'm feeling more prepared now than I did previously. What about you? See, I agree. I totally agree with what you said because I went into this experience anticipating it to be more like an IPPE. You know what I mean? Like in IPPE, those are great in my opinion now, now having gone through all of them for exposure to pharmacy practice. Um, you get to watch a lot happen on IPPE, but rarely are you doing anything. Right. Like, like especially clinically, because obviously it, it would be weird to trust P1s and P2s with important clinical decisions. Right. Because we're not really anywhere near the end of our training at all. And so I, I anticipated myself to show up and do a lot of shadowing and not get to do a lot while I was there. But just being in in that setting for five weeks, like I feel more prepared, even though I was stressed for a lot of it because of the environment that I was placed into. I still feel like I grasped a lot of concepts that just kind of fell through the cl- the cracks in school Definitely. or it's just stuff that you can't really teach in school, like confidence and patient interaction and calling on the phone. And, you know, it's, it was, I felt it was really a good experience and one that I do not regret because it put me in a situation where I was uncomfortable and then I had to learn to be comfortable with it. Definitely. And that was great. And so I do feel more prepared to be a pharmacist. And like you said, Lexi, I'm not ready. I still have how many left? Six and a half rotations left. So I, I clearly have a lot of experience left to absorb and to learn from. And so I hope by the end of that, I'll feel a little more prepared. But as of now, I'm not ready. Yeah. But I feel more ready, which yeah. which is a great thing. Which is all we can really ask for. That is true. That is very true. And with that being said, that was block two. Wow. And like, and we are back on track with this podcast. We are. We're back. And who knows where we'll be in a month when Lexi's in Arizona and I'm in Minnesota. You're going to be in Arizona, right? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I got your schedule right. I thought I had it memorized. Um. <laughs> But like we'll we'll get over there and suddenly we'll be we'll be busy again, both of us busy at the same time again. And luckily the time difference will be a little easier for us to deal with because I will be a time zone closer than we are currently. So logistically gonna be a little easier to work with. Um but you know what? We're gonna be doing great when we get there. It's exciting. It's very exciting. And I think we have a good balance of who puts in kind of which effort where. So exactly this is this is a two-person project right now we are the dynamic duo me and you we are the dynamic duo what i feel like you called this something oh no i'm thinking of the three musketeers with you me and iris that statement which i had not heard before this year i feel like (laughs) whatever i i agree with it i agree with it so before before we head out lexi any any final thoughts closing thoughts about block two or the rotations experience that you can think of I don't think so. I think we covered everything on my end. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? See, I don't think I do either. I think 
we did a great job with our second block and we are better prepared pharmacists, future pharmacists than we were before our experience. And that is what rotations is all about. So with that being said, Lexi, what, do you want to do you want to close out the podcast? I would love to. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. That's all we have for you. And we'll pharma. See you later. It gets a little more tolerable each time. It does. <laughs> it does. The be real just went off. Hold on. Oh, the be real. Sorry, please hold for. Listeners, it's okay. I prom- This is real time. This is this, real. This is real. Okay, I'm ready.